Teaching Science in Diverse Classrooms, Real Science for Real Students, by Douglas B. Larkin, read by the author. Introduction. Teaching Real Science to Real Students, on being a thoughtful science teacher and doing a good job. The category of people who call themselves science teachers, and I include myself among them, is filled with thoughtful individuals who sincerely want to do a good job in teaching science to students. As science teachers, we want our students to solve problems, think critically, and have a depth of understanding about big scientific ideas and important science practices. We also take seriously our responsibility to the scientific community to ensure that generations of hard-won knowledge gets passed along to the future with fidelity. Many of us cannot resist cultivating in our students the same sense of wonder about the world that we ourselves feel when we are engaged in science. And we think long and hard about the reasons why first-rate science teaching is not happening everywhere and for all students. For most, teaching science means ensuring that students gain a deep understanding of the big ideas that have helped human beings to shape the world in which we now live. For many, it also means trying to level the playing field so that students in resource-poor communities have access to the same learning opportunities as those in more well-off places. In some schools, the reasons for learning science are intimately linked to community issues of environmental justice, while in others, science is framed as simply one component of a well-rounded education. In some elementary and middle schools, science is highly valued as a vehicle for literacy and mathematics instruction, while other places emphasize the creative aspects of scientific inquiry and attend to the ways in which scientific knowledge is generated in the first place. In many cases, the grades that students earn in science classes become a currency that can later be exchanged for class rank, college credit, and future employment. Out of necessity, real science and school science are not always the same thing. Science is a vast and sprawling enterprise, and transforming it into school science is part of an effort to make scientific knowledge accessible and understandable to young minds. Science embodies a way of thinking about the world that uses empirical evidence as a basis for knowing. Yet it is often taught in schools in ways that compel students to rely on the authority of teachers, or at least a right answer written down somewhere. Real science is messy and uncertain, with lots of false starts, dead ends, and noisy data. By contrast, school science is often neatly divided into textbook chapters, subtopics, and bite-sized bits of information that can be efficiently assessed by teachers. Real science is as much concerned with asking questions as it is with answering them while much of school science still focuses on recalling facts and solving problems. The exceptions, of course, are in classrooms where teachers have made room for students' own thinking, where the spirit of inquiry thrives. Though thousands share the job description of science teacher, many have different experiences in their work lives, and the range of issues faced by teachers in schools reflects the diverse nature of their employment. Even just within the United States, the variety in these situations is breathtaking. Here are a few examples of the types of schools and contexts in which science teachers work, informed by real examples of places I have encountered in my own research and practice as a teacher educator. 1. A school that is sufficiently resourced with functioning laboratory spaces and annual department budgets for ordering supplies that also has an underlying cheating epidemic driven by high-stakes testing. 2. A middle school in a high-poverty urban neighborhood that has a robust science department led by a team of charismatic and collaborative teachers who continue to find ways to make every student want to learn science. 3. A rural school that struggles to hold on to its agricultural science program in the face of a changing population with little experience or prospects in farming. 4. 
a magnet school that focuses on science and technology, where the degree of teacher autonomy is rivaled only by an exhausting range of instructional quality. 5. An elementary school where teachers gladly trade autonomy for confidence in their own teaching by using science kits, where a small minority of teachers modify directions and repurpose the materials to give their students a more authentic experience with scientific inquiry. There are science classrooms within walking distance of one another that might as well exist in parallel universes because the work of science teaching and learning is so different in each. Yet, the underlying mission for every science teacher, even taking into account the local curriculum and state standards, can be stated quite simply. In teaching science, how do I meet my students where they are? There are many books about teaching science that are full of lesson plans, activities, science demonstrations, and collections of tips and tricks. I love those books and have leaned heavily on them in my teaching, but this is not one of them. Rather, this is a book about the intellectual work of science teaching, undertaken by teachers for the purpose of shaping the subject matter they know and love for the specific students they teach. It is a connected set of essays orbiting loosely around the idea that the decisions made by good science teachers help light the way for their students along both familiar and unfamiliar pathways to understanding. Deeply embedded in the genome of this book are the principles and ideas from the next generation science standards, as well as ongoing research in science education and science teacher education. As a job, science teaching has been needlessly constrained by widely held impoverished conceptions about teaching, which view it as the controlled delivery of information from teacher to student. It is my conviction that the world of ideas needed by thoughtful science teachers is much broader than this. The purpose of this book is to enrich the intellectual ecosystem of science teachers as they consider daily how to be a good teacher to all of their students. Because my own work is primarily with new teachers, many of these essays are also about learning to teach science, and how one needs to take competing aims into consideration in order to make decisions in the classroom that lead to the outcomes we want. Occasionally, those decisions may involve acts of what U.S. Congressman and civil rights activist John Lewis often calls good trouble in which teachers consciously push back against systems and practices that harm students and challenge long-held institutional or cultural norms that place barriers in the way of students' academic achievement and passion for science. I spent the first decade of my career as a science teacher in suburban, rural, and urban public school classrooms, teaching mostly chemistry and physics, along with occasional earth science, biology, or algebra class assignments. Serving twice as a science teacher in the U.S. Peace Corps, first in Kenya and then in Papua New Guinea, also gave me a different and more global perspective on science teaching. It also made me rethink my identity and privilege as a white male in teaching subjects that offered access to valued knowledge for students who were often marginalized in schools. Then for the next dozen years, I became involved with university-based science teacher education, where I work today, mostly with students preparing to be secondary science teachers in diverse classrooms. It is no small coincidence that the range of contexts I have experienced in my work informs the central theme of this book, that the main intellectual work of science teachers is figuring out how to make connections between their subject matter and their students. I will argue for the remainder of this book that doing a good job as a science teacher requires a thorough knowledge of one's students, a flexible and ever-deepening understanding of the science, and a continuing attention to the ways in which the science can be made accessible to students so that they might learn it. This book is organized into three sections, and the chapters all draw upon real-life science teaching to provide examples of what high-quality science teaching looks like. The first section, titled Student Ideas Are the Raw Material of Our Work, 
develops the theme that students' prior knowledge ought to be considered a resource rather than an obstacle, and that the intellectual work of good science teaching is thinking about ways to connect the content with what our students bring to learning. Chapter 1 explores the intersections between culturally relevant pedagogy and science teaching through the lens of valuing student ideas. Chapter 2 focuses on the practice of eliciting student ideas so that they may be used productively in the classroom. Chapter 3 is a short but necessary chapter addressing the need for respect and wonder when encountering new student misconceptions. This chapter suggests that when students are sincere about odd ideas, we are being given a gift that will help to teach them. Chapter 4 presents the case study of a teacher, Mr. Teague, who demonstrates what it means to really value student ideas through the practice of not answering his students' questions. The next section, titled Real Science, Real Students, addresses the day-to-day issues that occur in science teaching, approached from the perspective of reconsidering the common places of the classroom, such as asking questions, planning, labs, demonstrations, safety, and field trips. Chapter 5 makes a case for the use of essential questions in science as a way to provide a rationale for units and connect the science content to real-world issues. Chapter 6 reconsiders the use of laboratory activities and offers a different view on how science teachers might approach them from the perspective of engaging in model-based inquiry. Chapter 7 continues the discussion about models by examining the role that simulations might play in science learning when they are thought about as models themselves. Chapter 8 takes a fresh look at what safety goggles have to teach us about scientific practices, and Chapter 9 looks at what field trips and guest speakers still have to offer science teachers in an age when their use is becoming increasingly scarce. Chapter 10, which originally appeared in Rethinking Schools, tells a story that combines all of the themes in this section, when a field trip to tap maple trees in a city park led to a surprising confession. In the final section, titled Science Teacher Learning, The focus is placed on the ways in which novice and veteran science teachers alike improve their teaching practice. Chapter 11 draws upon the legacy of Michael Faraday to create parallels between making observations in science and learning from watching other teachers teach. Chapter 12, which originally appeared in Phi Delta Kappen, deals specifically with the challenges of mentoring student teachers and novice teachers in science classrooms and offers practical advice for doing so. Chapter 13 is a thought experiment on teacher expertise, situating teacher learning about the practice of differentiating science instruction within the mastery traditions used in martial arts. Chapter 14 concerns the perennial issue of the need for teachers to learn new science and grapples with the dilemma of deciding what to do about gaps in our knowledge once we have identified them. Chapter 15 moves beyond individual teacher learning to the larger debates about the purposes of school science and concludes with a closer look at the ways in which real science intersects with the framework of mass public education, examining the tension between school science realists and reformers. The book ends with a brief and heartfelt plea in the afterword for capable individuals with talents in science to consider science teaching as a career. It is my sincerest hope that this appeal is copied, passed around, and acted upon, because regardless of the reason, our profession is still shorthanded and could always use a few more thoughtful science teachers, willing and able to teach real science to real students. A note for audiobook listeners. Footnotes and citations are omitted in this audiobook recording. The complete version of this book, Teaching Science in Diverse Classrooms, Real Science for Real Students, is available as a hardcover, paperback, or ebook from Rutledge. <laughs>